1: Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the queer improv show Thank You For Coming Out or Tifco as we call it. And it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories and our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have storytellers share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we just have candid conversations about them. And I am so excited about our guests here today. We have Jerome Hayford, he, him, his, and David Blasher, he, him, his. And I've known Jerome since probably 2004 when we met at Ohio State. And I've known David for, for how?
2: Maybe 2012? Yeah, so like still like met.
1: significant amount of time. Hi. To the two of you. How are you? Hello. Uh, hi. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here.
3: <laughs> Me too. Thank we're, you so much. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're beaming across the the room. To you each are. <laughs> you are really. You
1: really are beaming across.
2: Um. Especially since this is the first time that not only have the three of us seen each other all together in a while, but mm-hmm. Jerome and I—the the first time that we've seen each other in a couple of weeks. <laughs>
1: Were you were you away? You just landed from a trip to Paris. How long how long were you, you were gone for a couple of weeks?
2: Yeah, I was in wow. London for a week and then Paris, visiting friends and getting to be in a whole different place in relationship with food, sex, culture, family, and here I am, Hong Kong, back in New York.
1: Great. So yeah, yeah, okay, wonderful. Well welcome We've back. Landed
3: <laughs> <laughs> in here.
1: Great. Lovely. Uh, So we all have multiple coming out stories, and I kind of just want to dive in. And David, I would love to hear one of your coming out stories.
2: It's funny that I get a little bit um, embarrassed even thinking about it, which is even in telling, especially since I had the absolute honor to get to perform or see performed my coming out story Mm -hmm. um, uh, live in Thank You For Coming Out, which was such a treat and a therapy actually that I didn't even know I had wanted—the mm. idea of being able to re-envision, reimagine, re-experience something that is so so private and yeah. also universal. Yeah. And obviously, I'm sure you have a lot of experiences with, with this because you do it so. You, because you—that's what the show is. Mm-hmm. But um, a friend was reminding me that you know when you remember something you're like pulling that memory file from mm-hmm. the last time you remembered it and so you're changing it when you do remember it so the idea of being able to take something that is so personal and so like tied into your core and to be able to have others participate in it in a really loving caring funny challenging jokey engaging way is actually like empowering and it makes you. It made me feel that it's a really special thing to get to come out, but also mm. a thing that lo- people have been doing for perhaps you know thousands, millions of years. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I suppose that all of that is much more philosophical than th- the coming out story itself. But I, I love I w- it though. I was thinking about many people have said this before, but uh, it first came to me through the writer, thinker, philosopher Edmund White that the process of coming out requires or gives you the opportunity to become a philosopher. You realize that whatever people are telling you around you isn't necessarily true for you. Mm-hmm. And you have to ask yourself questions that make you feel really lonely yeah. and scared. And you have to build something <laughs> based on what you, are, what you know about yourself and wh- whether, other peop- whether it works for other people or not you don't know yet you kind of have to go into this scary place and coming out is something that I feel like I do kind of every day
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, with being gay I, 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 I do that at work and out in the world but there's also the coming out of just recognizing that there's something that you're experiencing or feeling or truth that you know that isn't true for other people and mm-hmm. you have to kind of have that courage to be a little bit alone in it.
3: Mm-hmm. I was going to say, um, you know, being realizing one is queer or gay or whatever, however you want to define it, almost you could extend the coming out, becoming a philosopher to to just that experience altogether. You know, that it, 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 at a certain point, maybe it's age three or four or five, and we talk about this a lot. <laughs> you you almost have to start to. Come to grips with that um, that existential crisis. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: the coming yeah. out I love that absolutely, and you keep doing it in some ways over and over again um that actually makes me that that thank you babe, because that helps me focus and this the 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 coming out story that I had for thank you for coming out, mm-hmm. which involved l s d mm. and which was really great for improv <laughs> um, <laughs> right. The coming out story that I actually wanna focus on is an earlier age, around four or five. Age four, Linda Carter and Wonder Woman were like <laughs> really important to me. I would get dressed up in my mom's. My mom had these fabulous knee-high boots that were like waist high on me. Mm-hmm. And they were they had wooden soles, and I would dance around in the living room and jump on, around on the couches with my little lasso, I wasn't wearing diapers, I suppose, at that point. But somehow in my memory, I'm like, I'm like a child. Mm-hmm. And being seeing Linda Carter as Wonder Woman made, I was so excited. I was so just turned on by this, this woman, who was a superhero. And also so, like, ashamed. Mm-hmm. So afraid. Not of my mom, but of my dad. I come from a family, I grew up in Oregon, eldest of four sons. My father was a, is black and Cherokee and was a football player. My mom's Jewish and um, Eastern and Northern European. And there were already all these things about race and class that I was kind of aware of as a child. And I was really aware that my dad was really not pleased with his son, his eldest son, whom he wanted to name after him, Willie Blasher the Third. And my mom said, no, he gets his own name. He's David. Um, my David. My David. You get your own name, honey. <laughs> and I really wish gonna my mother... I'm going
3: to call my lawyer. I'm going to call my David.
2: <laughs> I really wish my mother had a Jewish accent, but she doesn't because she's from Berkeley and was a flower child. Um,
1: <laughs> my mom also is like from Ohio, but anytime I do an impression, she's from New York. So I don't know. That's like
2: yeah, anything. it's... That's the beauty of
1: storytelling. Yeah. Oh, she's Jewish. Right, but she is Jewish. That's true. Yeah. That's true.
3: And so is your mother.
2: And so is my mother. So I remember being just like really aware that this was not okay. Dad was not approving. Mom more than approved and encouraged, but also was nervous around Dad
3: about that. Just all these dynamics. Uh, I mean, describe Dad, too. How would you describe Dad? Well, Mom is Jewish. Your mom is... From Berkeley, um, white, not raised religious. Correct. Dad is in some ways the polar opposite of that.
2: He was raised in a religious home. There's a Jehovah's Witness component, um, a survivor component for sure. I mean, on my dad's side of the family is, you know, I don't mean to reduce it too much, but like the survival of the slave in America and a different relationship to family and connection to home and lineage and my father is such a beautiful loving supportive strong heart chakra based person mm-hmm. who's also like a big black man who grew up in the ghetto and has his stuff around that and has his ability to like kill somebody if, if he needs to are we allowed to curse? Of course. <laughs> Thank Say you. It. Motherfucker. Yeah, going gonna kill, gonna to kill a motherfucker on the street or whatever. Like, um, and yeah, there's another story that I would bounce around to for that. <laughs> with a time when he kind of turned on me um, about being gay, which was like a super terrifying experience. Um, but so being a kid and knowing that I was like disobeying, I was making my father really upset by just this thing was coming out of me. Right, mm-hmm. Exi- I like, by, I, by existing. I, yeah. Just by existing, I, like, I wanted my lasso, I wanted to dance around. This, to this day, the sound of Wonder Woman, the spinning and the crack of thunder is so exciting and scary that this person turns into somebody else. So that continued into the movie Splash, which was really important to me as a child. And my father took me to see Splash in the movie theater, which for a family that didn't have a lot of money, going to the movies was a really big deal. And this was a movie about a mermaid who came from Cape Cod and moved to New York City to be with Tom Hanks' character. And I, as a child, wanted to transform into a werewolf, a vampire, a mermaid, something else. So the idea of my dad taking me to see Splash the movie with Daryl Hannah and Eugene Levy and all of these amazing performers was a really, was like a a way that, it was like The Mermaid and Wonder Woman kind of um, made friends a little bit. That I knew that there were reasons why I felt scared and ashamed about this thing that wanted to live through me that I didn't understand. I was justified in being nervous about it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there were people who, in my life, um, who saw it and loved me.
0: Wow.
1: Thanks for sharing that, David.
3: You're welcome. So when did you come out?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I mean... Do you want to answer that? Or
3: Is that, was that a rhetorical? I think that rhetorical. was his. Oh. Sometimes he gets a little bit uncomfortable. I'm glad that's how you answered the question. When did you come out?
2: I came out when I was like, I remember coming out when I was like four.
1: Yeah. Well, I know for me, like, I, like, if we're talking about coming out to ourselves, yeah. I, I, like, from, I have a joke in my stand up that I was 10 months old because mm. I was drooling over carpet.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then,
1: like, that was like my bit. But, like, because I always just, like, remember feeling this thing that's, like, trying to come out of me and this thing that was so inherent to who I was and innate, but I I knew to be ashamed of it. And I yeah, knew, yeah. and I, I think also gender identity is tied up in that, but yeah. I think it's a lot, like, with queer people is, like, and, and then there are some people who just, like, I literally just had no idea. Until I was older, or like whatever it is, it's just like it's so wild to me because that is not that my is experience. Wild. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's you know, it's everyone's on their own journey. But I, I can totally relate to that. You know, like you said, you wanted to transform into like a, another being, and I can. I, I remember I would spend hours and hours and hours playing Legos or Barbie slash Ken. Um, mm-hmm. Or, like, just playing pretend in my room. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yes. Oh, my God, Ben, yeah. Um, (laughs) Because it was an escape, and it was a way to, like, manifest who I wanted to be in this other way that was, like, out of me. Yeah. Yeah, I never Mm. thought
0: about that in a while.
2: And for me, too, I mean, I... Gender and gender performance and, and and, and identity... Connected to that and sex and sexuality. I mean, it's a like a lot and race. of and race. It's mm-hmm. a lot of ma- matrix matrices matrices to mm-hmm. navigate, and I'm still navigating it because, like, obviously the binary is, you know, wholly inadequate mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. see the human, and yet we do have you know colors and sides and all of that. So, I know for me, being a kid and being so like wanting to be mom wanting to be wearing mom's clothes and yet you know honoring the hero of my father who is like this like huge strong football player who cries like cries like a beautiful baby so being able to see the different sides of hum- you know to find each other mm-hmm. is a an ongoing and very delicate experience
1: What does your dad cry about
2: My dad cries. Um, One of the things that comes to mind is that when one of us does something really loving to the other, like one of the brothers, he just, like, sobs.
1: Mm. That's so lovely. He just cries.
2: Wow. It makes him really happy to know that in particular his sons, but I know it's representative of, like, the world, Mm. that his sons are out there, like, taking care of each other and other people. Yeah. like, being loving and caring. And, of course, when somebody that he cares about you know dies um, his mother his siblings there's been some heartache in the family over the years um, but this the idea of people taking care of each other I just think my dad and he's got all his stuff yeah but he, he that's he's a lover ultimately
1: mm-hmm. that's really beautiful I like that I might start crying we have tissues in case
2: <laughs> we can all cry as one of our mentors has said to us before the world should weep do you see what's going on with us? We should be weeping. How
0: are we not all <laughs> crying at every moment? We should be
2: weeping. Yeah. Look at us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look. Weeping
2: through tears. Snotty,
3: bubbly, uh, gooey, gooey.
1: Full body heaves.
3: Heaves. Yeah. yeah. It's it's <laughs> funny as I, I'm sitting here and we kind of, especially the three of us, have a sort of humor. Mm-hmm. And But I also know... You know, laughing is close to crying, in okay. a way. And they, actually over the last week, this is like a tangent, so <laughs> I can edit this out. I, re- I remember specifically two or three times seeing somebody laugh and feeling like they're almost crying actually, mm-hmm. and I'm almost crying mm. instead. That. Basically describes the last like three years of our collective life, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, it is. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also just yeah, interesting little tidbit. Well, the sound that your body makes when you cry,
2: laugh, and orgasm are is a wonderful place to connect to sing. Mm. Like the sound, like what a, that a baby makes, or that your body makes when you
3: orgasm. Or mm, I've never heard a baby and orgasm in the same sentence like that. Thanks for bringing it together. Babies
1: come from <laughs> orgasm. <laughs>
3: There you go. So, just so, want to name that. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we going to get to the lunchbox through this discussion? Babe? I don't know how we're doing on time. So.
1: I think we're great right now. I would love to hear about the lunchbox and would love to hear Jerome's coming out story. Okay. Yeah. It's I will, an agenda.
2: I will be happy to share the lunchbox. Well, you, why don't
3: we, why actually, don't we do tag you? team this yeah. and I can give an anecdote of my coming out story. Great. Uh, which... I'm you know it's fu- it's amazing that this and this is sort of cliche but the role of media.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In
3: our coming out stories. Okay. And in our like development. And you know for you you're t- you're talking about Wonder Woman and Splash. It's like slightly more uh older old art house <laughs> to oh. Disney. Um but yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about this. This would be my starting point. And then when to hear you giving yours, it, it, it just is, it's absolutely the place that I would want to start. Um, because it's so visceral in my visual memory. Mm-hmm. Not only this actual memory, but then the photograph mm. that is the, the first page or the second page of this kind of big brown binder of photos that mm-hmm. my twin brother and I have. And I remember, to, I remember repeatedly throughout my life, childhood when we'd open up this binder and my eyes go right to that photo and the shame just rushes in mm. like a flash. And it's a photo of my brother and I dancing, we're three, And I want so badly to be um, be uh, Princess Aurora from Mm -hmm. Sleeping Beauty, is that her name? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I've wrapped this blanket around my waist. Mm -hmm. And every time I would see that, of course my mom, you know, observing this, like you were saying, and loving me and not making a to-do about it, but I'm sure she probably wondered at three, if not earlier, about that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I remember even looking at that photo at age four and feeling like, oh, can we get rid of that photo? Mm -hmm. Or just feeling, not knowing what to feel about that. Mm -hmm. And not knowing what to feel about my twin brother Mm. and me and what that means, you know? It's a beautiful scene. It's the very end of the movie and they're dancing and her dress is being changed from blue to pink I mean, it's kind of a trans iconic <laughs> color scheme there, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as opposed, to, it's certainly not a trans um, kind of gender performance, one could say. But nonetheless, that, that femininity, that, the, the, the performance of gender that we see in the media, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but just the, the, we see these images as little kids, and somehow it resonates with us.
0: Yeah.
3: And it, 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 it sparks something that's been there, but we respond to it, and we don't know what to do with it. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's that's my my first memory, my Disney memory.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I'm crying over here in this little corner that I'm sitting in. I mean, like not weeping, but tearing because it's. Yeah. I just I can see I can see the pain in your eyes as you're sharing that story. And my heart is, (laughs) I I feel you, I really do. And just, I mean, to be vulnerable and share that is challenging enough. And then doing it on a podcast is one another level. Um, So thank you so much for sharing. And it's like, and, and what we're doing is creating media, right? And like, and the people listening and folks are gonna take something away from this, and it's so powerful to share our experiences that we've had because then other people can feel like they're not alone, and, and maybe that shame can lessen just a little bit. Or you know, if people reach out you know, at certain points and be like, I had the same experience, and start to try to repair that shame that we felt that we didn't even know why we were feeling it because we were just being who we were, mm-hmm. and the world was telling us that we, that, you know, that yeah. we were wrong. And it's, it was so, it's such a painful, hard thing to grapple with. Yeah. For sure.
2: It really is. And that's why, I mean, our ability, the opportunity to get to see how kids behave or act or just start to do stuff it's like it's actually such a huge treasure trove you know of like what's coming through this little spirit the spirit that's just barely on the planet yeah. and is just a- attracted to something or excited by something or you know just wants to kind of do something
3: and mm-hmm. we can learn a lot yeah i, I mean, know it's a like, da- it's a darling photo like i love it now But I definitely... Of course it's darling. I'm filled with... uh, I feel the feels when I see that Do you feel shameful now when you see it? (sighs) I think I feel shame. I feel um, shame for the society that produced so much shame in 11-year-old Jerome for looking at that photo and feeling that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel embarrassed for some aspect of culture. Yeah. That produces that feeling.
1: And if this is putting words in your mouth, please tell me. But what, like almost like feeling shame for feeling ashamed. Exactly. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it's like there's nothing wrong with who we are and it's society's fault that we feel that way. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, I don't want to be feel bad about who I am. It's Which then, who I the, am. then you feel worse. Right. <laughs> exactly.
2: Well and thank you also, Dubs, for sharing so much of your journey constantly in mind, in body, in heart, in philosophy, in ups, in downs, mm-hmm. in lefts and rights and all arounds. Thank you for making it part of your the Bodhisattva experience, the sort of the warrior of peace and love that you do bring to the present. I appreciate you.
1: it. Thank you for saying that. Um, it's one of those things that it's not always easy, and I do try to, because it is. It's hard to be vulnerable and put yourself out there. And, but I know that, um, and I do try to balance it with it's not always like the good stuff. Like I was harassed today, or whatever. You know, my insurance. You know, whatever. And because, you know, like me growing up, like I like, I didn't have. Um, Like, I didn't know genderqueer existed, Mm -hmm. and so that felt very lonely, and and the only trans representation I knew of was always portrayed in a negative way, and any other kind of, like, media representation didn't quite reflect me, me, Mm -hmm. and I felt so alone, and what you said earlier resonated with me about, like, being your own philosopher and, Mm -hmm. like, asking yourself those questions, and in doing that, feeling really alone, Uh because it's like, well, what am I going to uncover when I start to let my mind wander in these certain ways? And I wouldn't let myself um, even in my own mind, in the privacy of my own brain, think about like transgender or like, you know, any of those kinds of things, because it was so... It's just too terrifying. It's too terrifying. What's
2: going to happen if I go open that door, right. that window, peek, even look at it?
1: Even look at the window that's a mile away. Ooh, like, I can't. Child. I don't the want. danger. Yeah. And so now that I have this... Um, it's Nancy. It's not that Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's from Ellen DeGeneres here and now. Check it out on HBO. Um, but yeah, thanks for that levity break. <laughs> I needed that. Um, <laughs>
2: Jerome does help with that a lot. and And, and Jerome knows I... Being a cellist as well, love getting into the soupy, soupy, melancholic woe, you know, of life. And Jerome, God bless, reminds me <laughs> too. Yeah, Lift
0: well, it up. Yeah,
2: totally. <laughs>
1: but you know, it's like I never, so I, because I never had that, I want to be that for other people. And right. I want to be able to be a resource and um, be... Really, what it comes down to is I I want people to know they're not alone, and mm-hmm. that the things that they're feeling and the things that they're thinking about or not thinking about, it's all normal and it's okay. And mm-hmm. you're going to find a community that's going to embrace, embrace you and love you. And it might feel hard now, and it is hard now, mm-hmm. but it will get better. And it'll get harder, and it's not always just going to be better, right? But incrementally, it's going to get better, right? Um, and I just want to give that to other people.
3: Yeah. Yeah, people, somebody just yesterday said to me very graciously, I don't know if it's true, like you're so nice, like you're just kind to people. And I think it's true. what you're just saying, what you're saying just now is kind of where I go when someone says something like that to me or to somebody else is I have not had, I would say, objectively respective to the world, let's say a hard life. But I have experienced that profound loneliness, mm-hmm. yeah. that profound, sustained loneliness and empathy for myself mm-hmm. and hyper awareness of just seeing of, of inability to um, to connect with my friends or with my family and reach out because of this absurd, these absurd now absurd invisible walls of society
0: mm-hmm.
3: and and feeling that it, I think it plays out in a lot of different ways in people but if you can get through that I think one of the ways it can play out is, is like having empathy mm-hmm. on a certain level just seeing like understanding yeah like how, of course you want it, it, it's so great to hear you to hear that because that, that resonates so much with me like mm-hmm. to want to be a safe space for for y- especially young people.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure.
2: And there is, I mean, the loneliness is part of the path or part of the map that I keep seeing. And that's why coming out is something for me that like still, it just happens constantly. It's with political decisions or mm-hmm. with decisions at work or decisions on the street or decisions in relationships of like, uh-oh, see now what's happened? You have seen something. You saw the thing. Something in you. Your inner god, your inner whatever saw something and you got to listen to it cuz remember how this game goes? You don't listen to it, it's gonna it's not going away. Yeah. So what you gonna do? <laughs> you want to have a conversation about this. Let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. See where it goes. It might dissolve a little bit and not be quite as scary as you thought it was going to be but there's this like a loneliness path that you have to kind of go through and it makes you get a little more comfortable with that Mm
0: -hmm.
2: because then you get to the other side and then you find all the people like oh you had to go through the loneliness tunnel to come to the the party nobody told you when you bought your ticket that like there was like go through loneliness tunnel (laughs) which seems like it may be dark forever and might be but go through because you can't go back so keep going this way
1: yeah I like that metaphor I'm yeah. like envisioning mm-hmm. I one of my favorite books from high school but still is um, Perks of Being a Wallflower mm. did either of you read or no
2: I didn't know.
1: Um, Bobby did you read yeah it's, um, <laughs> it's just it's just very um, just like profound and beautiful story of this high school student who um, is just trying to fit in and like is also dealing with some personal trauma and coming to terms with certain things and and the just so you were talking about the tunnel and it reminds me of a scene in that book and it turned into a movie but I was already envisioning it before it was a movie yeah. so just so everyone know <laughs> uh when he's like with his new friends and he's in the the uh he sticks his head out of the um sunroof mm. of the truck and it's driving in a tunnel the truck and he's like in that moment I felt infinite Cause he like finally Mm. had found his people, but also like the way I think about it is just like ever, you ever have those moments where it's just your whole body just feels like you're in, that's just the right thing. Yeah. And you just, and there's no other way to describe it except like infinite or euphoric or like you are meant to be in this place at this time. And so if, if we can envision like going through that tunnel Mm. of getting through that and just, being able to embrace who we are is just—I'm like gonna have an orgasm. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>? absolutely. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna have an orgasm made out
2: of babies a baby. crying, <laughs> and then laughing, <laughs> and, laugh, and then laughing about it at the same time. And
0: maybe singing as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the song actually—the new right. opera brought to you by
3: you. <laughs> <laughs> But babe, I do, I want you to share the lunchbox story.
1: Thanks for bringing us back.
3: Would
2: you like to share it? Because I feel like you, I would, I'd be happy for you to share it because you have heard it many times now. You might have your own version
1: of it. Share it. Say it to, at the same time. all right. Time. I, yeah, one, oh, yeah. two, three. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a beautiful story. Thank you for
3: sharing. <laughs> all right, I'll start. Um, co-facilitate, and then you can co-facilitate with me. So, you if, and from my memory of you telling this story, it's a beautiful story. Uh, you are around the same age as um, little David into Wonder Woman, and but now you were really into Gem and the Holograms.
2: That's right, and I was getting ready to go to kindergarten which is a huge chapter, mm-hmm. like Absolutely. for those who, whatever, aren't homeschooled and go to school, school bus, lunch, not being at home, not being around parents, being around other kids. It's just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like other people are so terrifying. Yeah, If they're anything like me, you know. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I remember my mom coming home from the store, and she had bought pens and paper and school supplies. And she had not picked out the lunch box. And she said, I'd like for you to come back to the store with me to help pick it out. I want to make sure and get the one that you want. And I was already suspect. I'm um, just turned five. I'm an August baby, so I just turned five. Mm-hmm. And she took me back to Hirons the local pharmacy where you could buy kind of everything and there was a wall of lunch boxes and I saw immediately the one that I wanted which was gem in the holograms which was a cartoon at the time about a like a female rock band cool rock band
3: by far the best lunchbox on that wall let's just objectively probably (laughs) for me for me for anyone but yeah for you and I was
2: immediately so, it was like how quickly it all happened. I knew I wanted it, so I desire identified, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Flow identified, right? The tunnel of eternity, of flow, of ease mm-hmm. identified. And then immediately protect my mother, mm-hmm. who was nervous. Who was nervous? Mm-hmm. She was scared. She was scared for me to go out with a gem in the holograms lunchbox. Yeah. And I knew it. She didn't say it. But I knew she was afraid. Not only for me, but essentially of me.
0: Mm.
2: I was kind of dangerous. I I've, I've sensed that I was a little bit dangerous. That she had to, like, worry. And um, I didn't want that for her. And so I chose Scooby-Doo. Wow. Which seemed the most innocuous and safe thing. I chose A lunchbox that I didn't want Mm -hmm. because it felt too, like too much to have to take on. To choose a lunchbox that I wanted, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was five. (laughs) Yeah, that one. That's why I live in New York because I was practicing my neuroses at a very early (laughs) (laughs) age. You know, the lunchbox you choose, may be... A nuclear bomb to the family.
1: Right. That's.
2: And yeah. I love, 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 love this little boy who was sensitive and aware of these things and made the decision that he made with what he had with where he was. I do not regret or feel any ill will towards this beautiful little child.
0: Yeah.
2: And I totally understand that he that this child, um, like the acorn in the oak, is still inside me, Mm -hmm. having to say, where's the tunnel of ease? And who are the people you think you're obligated to protect? Mm -hmm. Um, Because now that you're a bigger kid, you might not have to protect anybody. Because they may be big kids, too. And if they're not, that's on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's that's constantly a coming out. Yeah. Wait a second. I don't have to protect you from me because I'm not dangerous. I am a lovely gift like you. Mm -hmm. And the gift in me would love to meet the gift in you. Because let me tell you, it's a much prettier party. It's a much more gorgeous, (laughs) colorful party for us to share who we are.
1: Yeah.
2: It's a little scary, but let's do that. You know, let's do that, and let me not even not let me not protect you.
1: Mm-hmm. We have to protect ourselves first, and I think maybe little David was like protecting your you first in in what would be reactions or consequences to following that bliss, and I think even now, like we should always be putting ourselves first, and
2: absolutely, which is why. um I didn't hear this term before. Michael R. Jackson did a play called Strange Loop" in the City that I, I-
1: just listened to the soundtrack the it other was day. Just it's just incredible.
2: And I really, like, he's a black, queer, um, musical theater loving writer and artist, mm-hmm. and he used the term gay triarchy mm. in the play, which I believe he didn't invent. But um, the idea of like, this is the right way to be queer. Mm-hmm. And you have to do this. And if you right. don't, then you're mm-hmm. not. And you, and like, people who are in the closet aren't bad, or they're bad. And all that stuff is not helpful. Like, we, it's a path for all of us, it takes mm-hmm. time, and there are many iterations. So I feel like that's really important to have that, like Jerome, like you're saying, babe, to have that like empathy that we're all coming from these different spots.
3: Yeah. And- you know, it, oh gosh, that lunchbox story. As you're telling it, I'm, I and I'm I'm sitting here with Dubs and David, and I'm feeling, of course, it's sad because there's a shared understanding of the lunchbox story, mm-hmm. and I'm also just so happy that you know I know enough of the two of your, two of you. Your families and the love that is there, mm. and that you know, it could have gone, it could have played, like I was saying, it could have played out differently. And there's, there's folks who are in situations where they're different mm-hmm. and there's not love there, mm. yeah, and it, it's just too much, yeah. And I, I just mm-hmm. feel fortunate that you guys exist.
0: That's all.
1: Thank you. I'm, I feel fortunate
3: that you exist, me too,
1: both of you. All of us, All of too, us. Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I have. I'm looking at my list of things to talk about, <laughs> and I'm like, trying to figure out what is the best next thing. And I want to kind of. I think I want to go back to like we were talking about. You brought up Disney a couple times, and. Um, how we had that salon at your house after we watched Frozen.
0: Right.
1: And to be completely honest with you, I'd never heard of salons before. So when you like Uh, sent the uh, email, I was like, my friends are so smart. It may have been the only salon we had, but it was
3: fabulous. It was so much fun. It was a very salon-y salon. Yeah. You're supposed to say, oh, we had so many more.
2: Oh, that's right. It was (laughs) was a lovely series where we were
3: very terribly (laughs) affected. Yeah, was there? Do you have memories of that salon? Back I just, in, back in Brooklyn. Well,
1: and I remember feeling. Um, well, I think the fir- first, first of all, because I didn't even know what a salon was, I already felt at a disadvantage. I guess like just because I was like, I'm already not as smart as these people because I don't even know what a salon is. <laughs> gay, uh, gay triarchy. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But then I just remember, um, like, I'm I, I pretty sure Nino was there too. Yeah. our friend Nino, um, and. I don't even think I spoke because you, the, mm. the, you in a good way because I was taking in all of the things that you had been bringing up about, um, like the gay themes and like the um gender. analogous, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, like of folks and gender, and I was just like my mind was, uh, just like blown by. It. I was like I had no idea that Disney was that deep, or if we were able to even if, if it wasn't meant if it wasn't on purpose, mm-hmm. that we we're able to find those pieces and those things. Totally. Um, I just remember being really um, impacted by that and being like, "Wow, that's so cool!"
3: Yeah, no, I I I love that you remember that. I, I I'd forgotten that, but I, I, I love mean, it too. Let, yeah, Disney salons. Yeah, I you know it. I as now an educator and also a professional architect, but I'm also an educator. I kind of. I think back to the like empathy, I think again, like going through some of the things, at least I've gone through,
0: mm-hmm.
3: built up this need to process it and not having the language to process it. And mm-hmm. to give Nino another shout out yeah. and also like a shameless plug for four things like queer theory and mm-hmm. women's and gender studies yeah. and um, mm-hmm. black and queer studies mm-hmm. and Africana studies. I just cannot, I cannot express the importance of that of having that language and mm. always working on that language i remember so viscerally so specifically um being a camp counselor i was 18 uh with this mutual friend of ours who at the time similar i would sit there he was studying um he was about to go i think get his phd he's a year ahead of us and this a phd which was like this far away absurd (laughs) thing this is a guy i went to high school with in ohio and you know we're camp counselors and you know just like the idea of getting a phd was already then like fantastical and absurd
1: i remember when cameron was like telling me about you know just real quick cameron's our other mutual friend um and was like t- talking to me about it about his PhD. I was just like, I like shut down. I was like, I don't even can't even comprehend to Totally, like, that totally. Is so wild. <laughs> and then I didn't meet him for like years. Right. I was like, I just don't even know what that is.
3: Right.
2: Oh, you didn't know Nino through because Nino was your childhood in at it's yes. <laughs> Camp Christopher. Right. Yeah. I feel like Nino has existed forever. Nino mm-hmm. is. Amazing and brilliant. Like, yeah, you know, I feel like Nino is kind of like a force of nature. Like, oh, that's Absolutely. the Nino mm-hmm. <laughs> blowing yeah. through the wind. Do you yeah. hear the Nino? Mm-hmm. Get him on this
3: podcast.
1: I want to. Nino, um, no. come here. Okay, sorry, I interrupted. No, but, but
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, no, totally. And he he is he is definitely in this room in a sense in terms of some of the shared experience that we have. Absolutely. But I remember, and he was like giving me books like Atlas Shrugged to read and The Fountainhead. And, you know, because I wanted to be I was studying architecture. But just back to, you know, he he was at the times, you know, studying this stuff, studying women and gender studies, studying queer studies and was able to articulate things that I just like I wanted more. I was Mm -hmm. like, yes, that I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but that sounds like it explains a way that I felt or that I observed things happening in the world that I didn't have the language to describe before. Yeah, And you know, through the influence of of friends like that and then later professors and everything yeah, I feel like it unlocked this whole new world of language Mm -hmm. and of kind of intellectualism around it, but also as a means to like better, be better equipped for all of this stuff anyway
1: yeah well I remember um, it's gonna be this is kind of embarrassing to say but this was when remember when we all went to Fire Island like five summers ago or something I think it was really that that long ago and this was before party woo. <laughs> we were at Cherry <laughs> Grove um, but I remember um, this was before I I was like a like an out trans person um, and I remember looking across the pool and um, just saying like, is that a boy or a girl? Mm. And Nino, just like very non-judgmentally, was like, oh, I think think they might be trans. Mm -hmm. And just his, like Mm. what I said was not nice, but also I think for me it was coming from a place of like intense curiosity Mm -hmm. and didn't know how to articulate it. Mm -hmm. But like he could have been like, why the fuck would you say that? You know, Mm -hmm. but instead he was like, just very matter of fact. and, And with, um, no judgment and no any kind of like negative reaction attached to it. And I must've been sober. (laughs) 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 I think we had just gotten there, even though we were uh, drinking on the um, train anyways. um, But I think I take that with me. I take that reaction that he gave me with me in all of the work that I do because, because, because I know firsthand I wasn't trying to be malicious. I just was, Curious and didn't have the language to articulate it, mm-hmm. and then yep. I was able to learn more about it without feeling that judge judgment or shame around being curious. Right. Yeah. And the other thing, that, you know, this is like Nino hour, <laughs> but the other thing that I remember—the <laughs> new
3: <laughs> name of this podcast <laughs> is Nino Hour. Yeah,
1: featuring <laughs> Nino, hosted by Nino. Um, was uh, I remember when I had first started like uh, talking about top surgery and. Identifying in different ways and using a different name. We have a friend who uh, I think was having trouble processing that information, and um, I remember Nino kind of like stepping in and really just having these like really long, deep conversations mm. trying to explain it. And I didn't, I didn't really understand what was happening because I also kind of like then shut down because. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't even imagine like a friend of mine not being able to comprehend me as a human, and we've been friends for so long. Mm-hmm. And then <coughs> having this like ally swoop in and not only be able to talk about it, but talk about it in a very intellectual, um, informed way yeah. uh, was so impactful and mm-hmm. so incredible, and uh, like just such a true show of allyship mm-hmm. um, and like I, a credible
3: ally, yeah, uh, someone who's right. been part of our lives for years decades
1: yeah and I just felt so held uh I'm gonna call Nino <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know.
2: Yeah, I miss we should Nino. just bring him on I know we I miss
1: Nino I always yeah.
3: miss Nino yeah. yeah um but yeah,
1: yeah. that was yeah
3: but I, it that as you're telling that story it may it make, just makes me kind of reflect on like the these the political landscape we're in and yeah. also being from a place like Ohio Mm
0: -hmm.
3: and whether by choice or not, I know, you know, I'm from a similar, from a very different family as David sitting here, but with similar kind of mixes and parents, um, coming from very, from different sociographics, different racial backgrounds and kind of the, the absolutely powerful, the power of, being a kind of credible messenger Mm -hmm. amidst um, a group or a family or a a larger social sphere that wouldn't really respond to that language from outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when you're their brother or son or daughter or grandson, being able to be that credible messenger and that ally and slowly and sensitively and in a trustworthy way kind of deploy that language and build that discourse with people.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. That's
2: funny, that actually takes me to a moment that I getting back to the coming out over and over and over again in different ways, but for me coming out as gay in the black community is still one that takes a little bit more still takes a little bit more and I'm I'm reflecting now on a something that happened in a bar it was probably nearly 10 years ago in Portland Oregon and I I was in a bar and there was this this brother this black man there who I don't exactly know how we started chatting but I do have this memory of him being like panthor the um, one of the characters (laughs) from the um, what was that cartoon? He-Man? He, uh, Thundercats. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. I keep going back to media, but I kept thinking I of his, yeah, like, so like bald him. head yeah. and this, like, just, like, beautiful skin, middle-aged, maybe in his 50s, I would say. And, um, but, like, tough, like, this kind of, like, very tough guy. And, um, I was in a neighborhood that was actually known for some, it was a historically black neighborhood in Portland, Oregon, which is not saying, a where t- it actually is saying a lot in Portland, Oregon. And, um, Anyway, he did the thing where he was kind of like, said some, some, some comment that assumed I was straight and also it connected to like sexual prowess. Like he was commenting, you know, that woman, I want to fuck her and don't you too kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, allyship in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I made a comment that was soft but clear. Something like, something that essentially said like, having sex with women, that's not my game. That's not, my, that's not my space,
0: mm-hmm. you
2: know? And then he, like, thanked me for the way that I responded, which I wasn't necessarily trying to, like, take care of him. Yeah. But I also wasn't trying to make any huge political statement, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And he, like, thanked He was like, you know, some people, like, they have to, like, be all out there about how they are with their sexuality. But you, like, I got what you meant, and you told it to the, me in this way that was very respectful. So thank you for respecting me in the way that you told me that you didn't want to fuck her. I'm like, um, okay. You know, <laughs> like you're welcome. I don't know. And then he started talking, getting it started opening up and talking about his sexuality a little bit more. And there was some stuff there that was actually, I could tell, was sort of like tied together with his own violence and own self there was some self-hating stuff that was going on. And he mm-hmm. started then wanting to ask me questions. Yeah. Can I ask you? What do you, how do you What is it like, you know? Mm -hmm. That I was then kind of like, you know, and I'm actually going to step back now because I don't want to be your educator or your. um, You can Google, you know, (laughs) or talk to a phone a friend, um, because I'm just here, literally writing in my diary, Mm -hmm. like I do at bars, (laughs) alone (laughs) with a beer. Dear diary, Um, so it was it was a reminder. I remember exactly how we got to that point, but like the idea of being us like a credible messenger being in a position to be able to kind of um defend yourself or um advocate for yourself and for others and for your others but through yourself in a way that like you're cool with and then also recognizing when you're no longer cool with the way that the world may want you to like
3: well fast forward i mean fast forward our block you know david and i live Um, in a fairly, you know, hyper-masculine space uh, in terms of, or... or We live in Harlem. We live in Harlem on a block that has a lot of things going on. Uh, When we first moved there, actually we experienced um, gay bashing. I don't know how else to describe it. uh, Mm -hmm. An incident. But having lived there for like five and a half years... We, the guys and ladies, but I'm specifically thinking of the guys on our block. These are, you know, African-American tough men. They love us.
2: And we love them. They're, like we're that. like
3: family. Mm-hmm. And they know we're together. They don't ask too many questions about that. But they, they have actually, they've expressed pretty specifically, like if anyone gives you guys trouble again like that you know, you just come to us, you let us know. Wow. So just being in the same space with people, seeing them every day for five, six years, you know, it's a, it's a learning experience. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's so
2: important. I mean, and to even to take it back a little bit, like the gay bashing that we experienced was people telling, somebody telling us that, that, that he wanted to kill us. Oh, that's <laughs> and so intense. fortunately, we were not physically injured Mm. which is a big deal yeah i'm very very grateful for that um but it was very i was also very clear like the energy i mean literally i'm going to fucking kill you (laughs) you know it's never fun to hear no um in earnest
0: (laughs)
1: yeah i've had that thrown at me before it's not it's scary
2: it's really scary yeah to then be like oh fuck now i gotta like fight for my life now you know i gotta decide (laughs) like okay do i fight do i run am i like how serious is this right now it's late Mm -hmm. i'm tired you know i'm I like seriously like oh fuck i gotta like deal with this now
1: yeah i just had that thought i was walking um today or yesterday it was this morning and i had my like laptop in my backpack and this person was like behind me and like of course my mind went to they're about to chase me and then i had this like thought of like do I take my backpack off so I can run faster, put my laptop's yep. in there? Yep. And just, like, I went through all of that. Strategizing. And it's like, yeah. And, like, I, I do that minute to minute yeah. of, like, assessing my surroundings. Yeah. And am I safe in this place? And how am I going to react? And where's the nearest exit? And I think it's heightened for the different identities that we all hold. and yep. But there's there's that thread that's connecting of like we know what that feels like it's Mm -hmm. to have to always be on guard in that way and like i have to deal with this now
2: yeah seriously it was like i i'm tired i'm tired this is boring i I don't like this game (laughs) yeah i played this game before and i didn't like it then either yeah yeah for real and it depends on the context and depends on like which identity and blah 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 that Mm -hmm. might be invoked and The the nice side of the story for us, at least, is that there was another incident where somebody said something hateful to us that we didn't even hear. Mm. And I didn't learn about it until I was coming home and I was getting my mail out of the garden area of the the townhouse that we live in. And um, somebody came up off the street and he said, excuse me, my name is so-and-so. I would like to say I am so sorry. I said some stuff to you and your friend the other night. And I have to apologize. And I was like, I don't even know what you said, but thank you. And he was like, no, seriously, you're human. I'm human. I am so sorry. What wow. I said was not cool at all. And I was like, no, great. Yes, thank you. I still didn't hear what you had said, So, but thank you. And then some of the other gentlemen on the block who were sitting there were like, yeah, we told him he was banned from the block. Wow. We told him he was not allowed to set foot. On the block until he apologized to you, because we know you guys, so it's cool. We know you, your family, and then for the next week, every time we come out of the bu- out of the building, some people are like, did he say, uh, did he apologize to you? <laughs> because you know we don't roll like that. And I was like, um, tear, tear, tear. No <laughs> you way. know, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I wish we could
1: all have a team like that, just like yeah. on our backs. Yeah, that would feel really good.
3: No, that's been that's been an experience for sure a healing experience definitely to have that kind of at least from what we can experience allyship from kind of men right mm, men mm-hmm. of color who are not our siblings and also parents.
2: vilified at large throughout American history you know
0: yeah
1: yeah
2: so cause it's, that's the thing that I'm I'm I try to remember and I forget every day it's like That person who's a stranger on the street, don't forget, you don't know that person. Mm -hmm. You don't know that person. You don't know what's going on in that person's heart, mind, whatever. You don't know them. They don't know you either. Mm -hmm. You just, you don't know them. They're, at this point, still an unknown. And that's okay. It's okay to be like, I don't know you. (laughs) That's why consent is such a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Pronouns. Language. Uh... Topics, scope. May I ask you and touch? Like that's the thing too with bodies and touch. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. that we keep discovering with each other over and over again. Um, there's this song, this Bjork song that I love that I introduced to Jerome when I first met him about um, unravel. Like the devil takes our love, and then um, we have to make new love each time. So the idea of like touching another human and and being like, how does that feel? Is that okay? Yeah. May I? Mm-hmm. How is that, like, is a thing that do you, that we get to keep doing with each other in all different kinds of ways,
1: yeah. you know? <laughs> <Like> yeah, <laughs> definitely. And it's something that's interesting that, and also consent can change from minute to minute, second to second. Mm-hmm. with the same person. Mm-hmm. It also doesn't have to be sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, some people don't want to hug you. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you shouldn't force a hug. Mm-hmm. And I remember... Um, when I, my little cousin, uh, I wanted to give her a hug and she really did not want to hug me. And I was like, so hurt. And my cousin's like, she just, that's her boundary. And I was like, oh, cool, cool, neat. Totally. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> just like, it's so. Well, in- my boundaries are different. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's okay too. <laughs> I want to hug everybody, uh, but with their consent. Exactly. Um,
2: I like hugs too.
1: Yeah, let's hug after this. Okay. Great. No, I think <laughs> um, I
3: want to come back um Quick briefly to um, like when you're saying, even being in New York City, like certain decisions place we 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 kind of subconsciously know we're placing ourselves at risk, yeah, and it can be like a, something we the way we say something, mm-hmm. the way we're walking on the street, the shirt that we choose to wear, I'm wearing a kind of colorful strange shirt today. Amazing. But, you know, it, it, it goes back to the, um, I was going to say Linda Carter, to the, to the gem lunchbox, too. Yeah. Of, I just, I, it, it makes me feel for and also understand kind of like the politics behind even like what we choose to wear when we walk out the door.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, that I, I, for instance, dressed very preppy for a long time. Because that was like a safe acceptable, and also just an enculturated from going to private school in Ohio yeah but I also know from some self-reflection that that you know there's reasons why I did that
0: mm-hmm.
3: right and yeah. and because I know that I'm just not I'm not up for putting myself at risk yeah um, risk of prestige risk of uh of being judged to be too effeminate or. To whatever, or to black, or to what anything, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna tread this line, and then tread it microscopically as I go throughout the day, because I am con- you know, to be in constant awareness of the the risk we're placing ourselves at, and also mm-hmm. like then t- actively transgressing that risk mm-hmm. in order to be to express ourselves. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot.
1: It is a lot. I feel the same way. I, you know, I wear a backwards baseball hat as mm. much as I can, but I I think about it every time I mm. do it. And I walk out the door I'm like this is inviting someone to say something to me. And oh, yesterday yeah. I wore a shirt that said "Yep, I'm gay," which is like the <laughs> Ellen like the cover yep. of Ellen when she came out on time. Um but that to me like m- matched with the baseball hat. I was like I'm really putting myself out there mm, in yeah. this moment. And like how does that feel? And I do it because I wanted to transgress that, and I don't want to I need to live authentically, otherwise I feel worse mm. but then the the exchange is what danger am I putting myself yeah. in, yeah, and it's you know there are different kinds of danger,
3: yeah, I mean, I think about that a lot like when we when you see especially um trans people around the world or here in the u s being murdered, yeah, yeah. And so this is, it. It's like this is a literally a life and death um, decision. Yep. That. That people are making. Yeah. And we're all kind of operating on that um, gradient somewhere on that spectrum.
0: Yeah.
1: And the folks who die by suicide, who yeah. are also living their truths, and then are not met with the love and support that we're talking about, um, because it can feel like a never-ending tunnel of loneliness, and they don't get to feel that infinite euphoria. It's just pain. And that's what, it's just, it's so hard. I know, I know.
2: And it's like, because everybody's on their own journey, you want to be so encouraging, but like, there's no promises to be made. Like, right. oh, it's gonna get easier in like seven minutes. So, right. like, wait seven minutes. You know? Yeah. Um, right. Exactly. And so, and and that's why becoming the philosopher of, go, of of learning to build that love and strength in yourself over and over and over again. I mean, it's a lifetime's of lifetime worth of work. Yeah. To keep showing up for yourself mm-hmm. to say, "I love you," no matter what, whether you make good decisions or bad decisions, <laughs> whether you're empathetic and heroic or cowardly whatever the hell it means yeah I love you still no matter what I can look at you and say you know what kiddo we're still on the same side yeah I may not always understand why I do whatever I do or say or whatever but we're on the same side like I got you you know I love you yeah I love you and I don't know what is going to happen next and nobody else does. Yeah. So who knows what's around the corner? Yeah. Who knows what's right around the corner? It might be worse. <laughs> it might, <laughs> it might, might, might be said. really <laughs> bad. <Yeah>. Actually, around <laughs> the corner is some crazy asshole right now. So do you just stay right over here for a minute <laughs> mm-hmm. and pause and like <laughs> scroll through Instagram for <laughs> yeah. a minute, you know, and then go yeah. around the corner and get your groceries or whatever. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> That's like,
1: um, it reminds me of uh, Brittany Brown talks about. Um, being enough, mm. and like no matter what the like outside things are, always coming back to knowing that you are enough. And even if you didn't get out of bed that day, you are still enough, and you are still a wonderful human that is deserving of love and dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about that a lot. Um, I, I have to move us into our last segment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this has been so lovely. A lovely A lovely A lovely That's such a great
2: way To hang out and visit again
1: What's that?
0: I don't know You just made it up? Yeah Um, Wow That was a lovely That was
2: a lovely I was inspired by your Synchronized a lovely
1: Thanks Cool I love improv Um, Okay so this last section Is rapid fire And I'm just Uh, gonna ask you questions And just answer as quickly as you can You can do them at the same time And then we'll see We'll see how that goes
3: Do you want us to do it at the same time?
1: If you can. I mean, I think just as quickly as possible. All right, cool. So writing or reading? Reading. Reading. Acting Acting or singing? Both. Acting. Dogs or cats?
3: Cats. Dogs.
1: Beach or mountains?
3: Beach. Both.
1: Biking or running?
3: Biking. Running.
1: Bagels or donuts?
3: Bagels. Bagels.
1: Good. Train or plane?
3: (sighs) Both. Train.
1: Pants or shorts?
3: Shorts. Shorts. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi, Coke.
1: Did you say Pepsi? Mm. Night or day?
3: <laughs> I have empathy for Pepsi. Night. Um, <laughs> night.
1: Favorite dessert?
3: Ice cream. For whatever reason, sherbet came into my mind, but it is not my favorite dessert.
1: I think it might be if that's the first <laughs> thing that came to your mind. <laughs> Own it. Sherbet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it sherbert or sherbet? Because I've always called it Sherbert, but when you see, read it, I, it's Sherbet.
2: I, I also learned it as Sherbert, but my mom told us it was like Schubert, the composer. As so we hmm. played this game that like Vivaldi was volleyball and Sherbert was Schubert. What a highbrow Total game. game. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to play your salon. Did that really relate to the people? <laughs> or are we now, yeah, let them <laughs> let them eat cake.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Crème brûlée, alors. <laughs> C'est l'a ça.
1: Um any uh, social media do you want do you want followers or is that not your thing
2: people should follow Jerome because he has social media presence yeah and I we didn't even
1: talk about your architect. yeah I have so many more questions but
3: Uh, well sure my um, social media is uh, my personal one is Jay Hayford but my architecture uh, design social media is Brant Hayford
1: great and we'll we'll post that handle in the post so folks can follow your beautiful design. Absolutely, board. thank you. Um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, you both for are having so us. Wonderful, this was, really, this was really great.
2: You're welcome, and thank you. You are so wonderful, you and Bobby and everybody. Thank you. Yeah, it's really it's a big deal. You know, like this is how we make a new world. Yeah. Like what kind of world do we want to make? I don't know yet, but I want it to be awesome. The only <laughs> way to invent
1: the future is to create it yourself.
2: Right now. That's
1: paraphrased from a thing on a wall that I wo- in a co-working space that I work in, but I look at it every day I'm like, hell yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, invent it yourself. I love that wall. Yeah, me too. I love you, wall. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing it.
1: Yeah. All right. Love you both.
3: Love you too. Thank you, dubs.
1: Thank you for coming. Out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You For Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.